God is not a God of disorder or confusion, but is the God of peace. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning stars rise in your hearts. You are tuning into the Tribe of Christians podcast with host Brandon Dawson, the chief sinner, bringing you a peace of mind, clarity, insight, and perspective to the world you live in by the word of God, featuring the latest updates on end time prophecy news. Don't, Don't forget, forget to subscribe to the, to the Tribe of, of Christians, Christians broadcast, broadcast either on Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Facebook, or YouTube at tribeofchristians.com. Without further ado, here is your host and teacher, the Chief Sinner. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Tribe of Christians podcast. I'm your host, The Chief Sinner. I will be spending the next few weeks to specifically focus on the ministry of Jesus as we draw near to the death and resurrection of Christ. In this first of three messages, I will be teaching an incredible and powerful revelation about the transfiguration of Jesus that will change your life. In a few short weeks, the body of Christ will celebrate the life, the death, and the glorious resurrection of our Savior, the Savior of the world. Jesus was given to us by His Heavenly Father, Jehovah Jireh, God who provides. And God gave His one and only begotten Son for those who will believe in Him to gain everlasting life, so that we would not perish, that we would not grow faint or weary, to give us strength in a life of great opposition. And it's because of Jesus that we have hope. It's because of the love of Jesus that we have a future. And it's because of the sacrifice of Jesus that we live. He's called Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus the Messiah. He's not just the Savior of the Jews, but He's the Savior of all of us who will have Him. What a glorious revelation. And how wonderful it is to know Him, the Creator and Sustainer of all creation in life as we know it. Some of us are really going through things. We're surrounded by a raging sea and what appears to be at times a never-ending storm. Have you experienced loss? Have you experienced rejection? Have you been fighting a fight that you feel like you can't win? Or perhaps it's the struggle and finding purpose and value in your own life and you're wondering what's the point of it all? In the Bible, the ocean represents trials and tribulations of the world in this life. But Jesus said, take heart, have joy, for I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. And it may seem like you're facing the world right now. And now, and you have no idea what to do, no clue how you're going to make it through all this. And how in the world is there any possible way to have joy in the midst of everything that's going on? But that's exactly the purpose of the gospel message, the good news of Jesus. Now, if you have your Bible, a Bible app, a computer, or phone, if you would, please turn with me to the gospel of Mark, chapter 9, starting in verse 2. 
It's the Gospel of Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 2. The word reads, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up to the high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were so frightened. Then the cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anybody what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. Now this passage is known as the Great Transfiguration of Jesus and is one of the most well-known and talked about scriptures of all time. It's about the revelation of the glory of Jesus. And there is an even greater and even more significant revelation about that glory of Christ at that very moment that forever changed Peter, James, and John, who in turn, these three revolutionized with the other disciples the entire world for the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus had 12 disciples. He could have taken all of them up to the mountain with him, but he didn't. Instead, he chose three, only three of them, Peter, James, and John. And these three disciples not only witnessed the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Heavenly Father, but they had one of the greatest revelations of all time about Jesus. And it was through the cloud, through the heavy dark cloud that covered them, where they learned who Jesus really was to them personally. And Jesus wants to reveal that same revelation to you today, right now, as you are listening to this message. Whatever you're going through, whatever you are facing, Whatever cloud that is surrounding your life, there is a revelation in the midst of it that God wants to show you. And that revelation is going to forever change your life, just like it did for Peter, James, and John. And through your life, God is going to change the lives of many other people too. So the title of my message is, The Glory of Jesus in the Cloud. Now, the Greek word for cloud in this passage in verse 7 is the very same exact Greek word in which Paul uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2, to describe the same exact cloud that descended upon Mount Sinai when the Lord revealed his glory to Moses. To truly understand what has taken place here, to gain the full context of the emotions and the thoughts and the feelings that Peter, James, and John are feeling right there in Mark chapter 9, you've got to go back to Exodus chapter 19 to get the full context. Now, right after God delivered Israel out of Egypt and led them out into the desert, God brings the Israelites to Mount Sinai where he reveals his presence with Moses to Israel. God took all of Israel and brought them out to this mountain for them to witness the power of God to establish the authority and leadership with Moses. God wanted to make sure he made a long-lasting oppression that would initiate the entire way of life of the Jewish faith. So this is literally God making a statement to Israel, ensuring that Israel would know and understand who God is. 
So God uses kind of this fear tactic to reveal his power through the form of this cloud. And this is the very same exact cloud that is present during the transfiguration of Jesus in Mark chapter 9. Now in Exodus chapter 19, verses 16 through 19, which reads, On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. Now, can you imagine what this looks like? There are loud trumpet blasts going off, getting louder and louder. There's lightning and thunder happening, and the ground is violently shaking. It's pitch black, and there's smoke everywhere, like an apocalyptic volcanic eruption taking place. And it says that everybody trembled. In other words, they were terrified. This is also the moment when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. And in the next chapter, in chapter 20, verses 18 through 21, which the Bible says, When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. And the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. The darkness isn't meant to keep you away from God, but rather it's meant to draw you in closer to God. But sometimes when the cloud shows up, when tribulation shows up, when things start to look pretty scary, we like to back off. We like to turn around the other way. We become afraid. We learn fear from a very early age, and fear is both good, but it's also bad, depending on the context. A good fear keeps us alive. We learn that fire is hot and can burn us. We learn that we have to look both ways while crossing the street. We learn the dangers of treading in unknown territory, and it's why planes fly with radar. But on the other hand, the wrong kind of fear will prevent us from rising to an occasion. Fear holds us back from making meaningful and friendships and destroying great relationships. Fear causes us to react with anxiety, with worry, doubt, and depression. Fear can also compel us to never enter a race or try out for an audition. How would the American Revolutionary War have ever been won without the presence of courage in the midst of fear? How would any of the world wars have been won if we were only influenced by fear? This is where love plays a critical part. The Bible tells us that God is love. Therefore, fear without love oftentimes will lead us to the wrong choice, the wrong decision, and the wrong path. But fear with love enables us to overcome challenges, to endure tribulation, to win battles and victories. Love enables us to withstand the fear of the cloud. The Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And just like God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29 11, the purpose isn't to bring disaster or harm in your life, but rather through faith and obedience, God's word is to give you a hope and a future. 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. 
And James tells us that if we draw near to God, then God will draw near to us. And the way that we draw near to God is to believe God. To believe what he says. Believe that he is faithful in all that he says. And believe that God is true to his word and act upon it. That means if Jesus said, those who do not abide in me, those who do not bear fruit are cut off, then we have to believe that the only answer and the only way of truly making it through any cloud, through any tribulation or any storm or trial is both love and obedience. Love God enough to be obedient to his word. Believe him. Trust him. He is faithful. So the presence of the Lord is in this cloud that is descended upon the mountain and a mighty display of God's power in front of all Israel. And Moses reveals right there in verse 20, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death. So the Lord instills fear on Israel so that sin would not lead Israel into death. And from that very point, God commissions the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments and the two stone tablets that would then be carried in the Ark of the Covenant. Move forward in time back to Mark chapter 9. Now there is a great mantle of anointing taking place, a great shift in anointing. That has moved from the law of Moses onto Jesus, the great I am, the very one who commissioned Moses from the burning bush, is now taking up that mantle and commission of the law upon himself. And it was that very law which has condemned the entire world to sin. But the Bible tells us that Jesus did not come to the world to condemn it, but rather to save it. And the presence of God has fallen there through the same cloud that encompassed Mount Sinai in front of all of Israel. But instead of an entire nation witnessing the authority of God's glory, it's witnessed through three disciples of Jesus. The very three disciples, along with the others, in which Jesus later commissioned to go out throughout the entire world and to make disciples of every nation. And they're terrified. They're trembling in fear. The Bible tells us that. I can't even imagine the fear that they must have felt. The Israelites were able to stand at a distance away from the cloud, but here are Peter, James, and John right smack in the middle of it. Have you ever encountered a situation like that that was so terrifying, and you're right in the middle of it, and it was so horrific that your entire body just shook in fear? Now, when I was a kid, I had a great fear of the dark. My family loved to watch horror movies, and at 8 years old, I wasn't allowed to watch horror movies. But one time, I decided to watch a horror movie anyways, a Stephen King movie called Salem's Lot about vampires. Now, I usually would wake myself up for school in the morning to catch the bus, and my house was right in front of the bus stop, so if I ever accidentally overslept, my friends would knock on my window, and then I would know I was late, I'd wake up, I'd catch the bus. So one time, I hear somebody knocking on my bedroom window. And I immediately shot up out of my bed. I rushed to put my clothes on. I brushed my teeth. I combed my hair. I grabbed my backpack. And then when I go to open my front door, I noticed that it was dark outside. And I thought to myself, well, that's really odd. And I thought I had overslept. And I was going to miss the bus. So I head back in my room and I look to check the time. And I noticed that it's only 4 a.m. in the morning. Now, at that very moment, I instantly remembered Salem's Lot, and fear completely struck my entire body, and I thought that there was a vampire right outside my window. Now, I stood completely frozen in the middle of my room, and then I heard someone lightly knocking on my window again. 
So I quickly shut the lights off. I jumped on my bed and I pulled the covers over my head as fast as I could. I had never been more terrified in my entire life. Now I later realized that my parents were pranksters and it was their way of getting back to me for watching that horror movie. Obviously, we know there's no such thing as vampires, but spiritual warfare does exist. The devil and his demons are prowling around the earth like a roaring lion looking for anybody whom they can devour. The Apostle Paul tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but rather principalities and thrones in high places. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he does that through sin. And sometimes it's not even our own sin. But the enemy will use someone else to sin against us and against God like in situations of violence, abuse, war, robbery, and all kinds of other things. We also read about terrifying encounters of Jesus casting out demons. And there's a passage about Jesus walking on the water. And when Jesus approached the disciples, they're horrified. They're struck in terror because they're in a boat out in the middle of the sea in the middle of the night and they think that it's a ghost. So I can only imagine the fear on Peter's face when he sees Moses and Elijah standing before them speaking to Jesus. I'm not exactly sure what I would say or how I would react in that situation, but verses 5 and 6 tell us Peter's reaction. He says, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here and let us make three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. Now, I don't want you to miss this next part. This is so extraordinarily significant what happens next in verse 7 and in verse 8. Because although the glory of the Lord was revealed to Moses through these magnificent displays of terrifying power of lightning and thunder and volcanic eruption and all these things, the glory of the Lord is revealed in this situation a bit differently through Jesus. In verse 7, And a cloud came and overshadowed them, And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And suddenly when they had looked around, they no longer saw anybody with them except Jesus. Now you learn something about relationships when you're in the midst of a cloud. When you're right smack in the middle of a tribulation, a testing period, or a storm. When everything is going haywire. When everything seems to be going completely wrong and falling apart. And it feels like your entire world is suddenly coming to an end is when you figure out the truth about things. It's in the middle of a storm when you discover the truth about yourself. You discover the truth about your strengths and your weaknesses. It's in the middle of a desert, just like the Israelites in front of Mount Sinai, when you figure out who truly has faith and who doesn't. And that very same generation of Israelites who witnessed the awesome, incredible power of God right there on Mount Sinai, the very same people who witnessed all the plagues poured out on Egypt, The ones who walked right through the middle of the Red Sea. The people who followed God in a pillar of fire, who ate the heavenly manna food and drank water from a rock, are the exact same people who quickly abandoned God when the time came for them to enter the promised land. The Bible says that they were afraid and therefore they doubted God's word. So then they never got to enter the promised land, and they ended up dying right there in the wilderness after walking with God for 40 years of divine miracles. The Bible says that Moses drew near to the darkness where God was. And sometimes we like to mistake in dark times. We like to mistake in tribulations and trials for the enemy, for Satan, and we run the other way. Fear is a matter of perspective and a matter of heart. Fear can either motivate you to run away from God or fear can motivate you to draw closer to God. 
Whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you're going through, God is right in the midst of it. And our love for God is our shield and our faith. And it's oftentimes, just like this situation, that will reveal the character and the purpose of the cloud. But the Bible says in verse 8, that when the cloud lifted, and when they looked around, they no longer saw anybody with them except for Jesus. Now Joshua 1, 5 tells us that the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is authentic. And many of us have experienced the failures of relationships in life. We've experienced rejection. Some of us, when things got really tough, we witnessed everybody walk out on us and leave. And some of us have been through divorces. Some of us have been through homelessness. And some of us have been through sickness and illness. That's what the cloud does. That's what the glory of the Lord does. It provokes the truth. It reveals the truth. Its purpose is to show you that there is but only one and only true and sovereign God. And he's not hiding his face away from the cloud, but he's right there with you in the midst of it. God revealed his glory through his son Jesus as a sign to us, just like Moses, to reveal to us that Jesus is the true Messiah. And rather than giving Jesus a whole new set of commandments and tablets, just like what he did with Moses, the Bible tells us that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Through him all things were made, and him was life, and that life is the light of all mankind. Jesus said that he did not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but rather to fulfill the law and the prophets. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He's the literal manifestation of the complete fulfillment of the law in which God gave to Moses. The Bible says that the purpose of the Ten Commandments was to reveal our weaknesses in order that there would be a desire in our hearts for the very grace of God through Jesus. Now you might be thinking that I forgot about verse 1, but I didn't. Because verse 1 doesn't make sense until after you read verses 9 and 10. The disciples are now coming off the mountain after this incredible, glorious moment with Jesus, and they're talking amongst themselves. And Jesus told them not to tell anybody what happened until after he was risen from the dead. And they were completely puzzled by that. They had no idea what he meant. Verse 10 tells us that they kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. You see, it's the fear of death that keeps us alive. Or it's the love of life that keeps us going. In a spiritual sense, it's the love of living that keeps us afraid of dying. Sin tells us to live for ourselves, where love tells us to die to ourselves and that we might live. That Christ might live in us because God is love. But Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Now to many of us, the gospel message, the message of the cross, the words of Jesus frighten us. Because the Word of God is controversial. The Word of God is confrontational. It convicts us of our wrongdoing. It exposes the sin of our lives, and it reveals our weaknesses. That's why the Word of God is also called the Sword of God. It's both living and breathing. It's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces bone and exposes everything into light. And we're afraid of judgment. We're afraid of being exposed. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of isolation. We're afraid of condemnation. And if you're really being honest, if we're really being honest with ourselves, 
It's not the judgment of God that we're afraid of, but rather it's the judgment of our peers. It's the judgment of our friends, and it's the judgment of our family that we're afraid of. We're afraid of isolation. Nobody wants to be isolated or rejected. Nobody wants to be condemned. But the Word of God is foolish to the world, and the world views it as weak, as useless. But God views the wisdom of the world foolish, and one day the cloud is going to be lifted, and there's not going to be anybody else standing with you except for Jesus. It will be just you and Him, and it's going to be at that very time and at that very moment when the truth is revealed. Now, the purpose of the cloud is not to keep you away from God. It's not to condemn you. But the purpose of the cloud is to draw you closer to Him. The purpose of tribulation is to produce faith. It's to build trust in God. As John 3.17 tells us that God didn't send His Son to the world to condemn it, but to save it. Right there in Mark chapter 9, verse 4, is the very proof of the resurrection. Standing right before the disciples, right in front of Peter, James, and John. That was the purpose of why Jesus called them up to the mountain with him. So that they could see that when we die, life isn't over. And through Christ, there is everlasting life. Verse 1 started with the topic of resurrection, the possibility of life after death. Jesus told them that some of them would not even face death until they had witnessed the kingdom of God present with power. Assuredly, I say to you that there are some of you standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. There are greater things than what this world has to offer. There are unspeakable and unimaginable things beyond this realm that exist with God in the heavens. And many of us today, it seems like we're barely hanging by a thread. We're holding on to some things in our life that aren't even meant to be there in the first place. So Jesus reveals his glory to his disciples, who reveals to them the power of the resurrection and gives them proof that there is an everlasting life, that Jesus truly is the way, that he's the truth and the life. But yet they didn't understand it, even though it was right in front of them. And maybe it was the fear that completely clouded their understanding. Maybe it was the fear that prevented them from receiving that incredible revelation. I don't know, but here we are right now, and we have the complete full record and the proof of the very words of Jesus and that everything he said, everything that happened was true. The glory of Jesus in the cloud is that Jesus is the way. He is the truth and the life. He is the answer to every fear that you face. He is the answer to every tribulation you endure. And he is with you every step of the way. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to allow fear to control your life. You don't have to be afraid of anybody. And Jesus says that if you come to him, he will forgive your sins. He'll wash you clean and give you an everlasting life. What matters more? How the world views you, how your family views you, or how God views you? What's more important? Because there's nothing more greater than that, than having the love of God and being in his presence. He promises to grant you his Holy Spirit to help guide you through all things. And some say that they come to the cross to live. And that's very true. Life originated in Jesus, and it's through Jesus that we're able to truly have everlasting life. He's the reason we have joy. But life in Christ cannot begin until the life of sin is put to death on the cross. In reality, we come to the cross to die so that we may live in Christ and that Christ may live in us. The purpose of life is to reveal the glory of Jesus. 
And if that's you right now, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, Jesus not only wants to rescue you, but he wants to bring healing to you. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. He wants to establish you, and he wants to bless you. Everything that you ever could possibly need can be met right there in Jesus. And if that's you right now, I want to invite you to pray with me right here and right now, wherever you are. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your precious word, and I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for revealing the truth to me. Thank you for sending your precious son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. And I confess that I am in need of your forgiveness. That I'm in need of your love. And I ask that you please forgive me of all of my sins. I ask that you grant me your Holy Spirit to teach me and guide me in the way in which I shall live. Help me to overcome my shortcomings and strengthen me where I'm weak. I ask that you surround me with your love, that you bring healing to my body, that you deliver me in the times of my trouble. Produce faith in my life and may your word dwell within me. In your great name, Jesus, I thank you and I pray. Amen. Now you can find more great teachings just like this one on our website and on our Facebook page at Tribe of Christians. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to get updates on new words and to help us spread the gospel message around the world. Also, please reach out to us. Let us know how we can serve you and let us know what God is doing in your life. I want to hear from you. This concludes this podcast episode. I am the chief sinner with the Tribe of Christians and may God continue to bless you and be with you always.